Hello, and welcome to the Four Colored Nerds Cut the Cord podcast, episode 15. I'm Hannah, and I'm joined by some other streaming media nerds, Alistair. Hello. Missy. Hey. And Ryan. Hello. Together, we take on television for those who have cast off the tyranny of their local cable provider. Each week, we gather here to find a great show to watch from the often overwhelming variety of shows to choose from. We review the prior week's selection, then we pick a new show and do it all over again. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. This week's show is Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale. Our companion song is a remix of Blondie's Heart of Glass by Crabtree, and it's also cut with some Philip glass. So let's take a listen. That song is so haunting. Pretty chilling. All right. So content warning, we're going to be talking about violence against women and sexual assault and forced breeding. So if these things are disturbing to you, you might want to either listen to this podcast later when you're in a better place or reconsider this one. So take care of yourselves, guys. Don't think there's any way to avoid those topics. They're the heart of the show. So we will be dealing with them. You're probably also... My guest going to hear more current political things from us in this than you normally would. Yeah, too bad, guys. We need to talk about this. (laughs) Be prepared. Politics are important. The personal is political. So The Handmaid's Tale was created for Hulu by Bruce Miller. It's based off of Margaret Atwood's 1985 book, The Handmaid's Tale. It was directed by Reed Moreno with music by Adam Taylor. It's starring Elizabeth Moss as Offred, and we know her from The West Wing and Mad Men. Joseph Fiennes as Commander Fred Waterford. He was in Shakespeare in Love. Yvonne. Strahovski as Serena Joy Waterford, Alexis Bledel as Ovglen of Gilmore Girls fame, Madeline Brewer as Ov Warren, Anne Dowd as Aunt Lydia, O.T. Fagbinley as Luke, Max Mingala as Nick, and Samira Wiley as Moira, and she's from Orange is the New Black. It was produced by Bruce Miller, Reed Moreno, and Margaret Atwood, and also a little bit by Elizabeth Moss. So, plot summary. This is a a dystopian vision of America that's been taken over by religious extremists who have instituted a very harsh and biblical regime and it focuses on the way that it impacts the lives of the women who are living in the new United States known as the Republic of Gilead. The classes are very highly stratified. You have the commanders and their wives on top and then you have the Marthas who are maids and do basic service jobs. You have people who have been sterilized and put out to pasture cleaning toxic waste and things like that, where you would presumably die a horrible death. And then the only people who are allowed to breed are the commanders and their wives. And if their wife is barren, men cannot be considered infertile under this. It's always the wife's fault. They are given a handmaid to become a 
walking womb for them. And that's kind of where we've started. So what did you guys think? This was really hard and disturbing to watch. It's probably one of the most, in my opinion anyway, impactful TV shows I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, it was a super hard watch. I binged it all today. (laughs) It's been a rough day. That's a lot. (laughs) It's brutal. The coloring is even very stark. The coloring is beautiful. I love the coloring of this show. Everything is gray except for the handmaid. They have those reds pop out. We talked about this as a dystopian future that is presenting. It's not too far in the future. It's eerily familiar. The people talk about Tinder in the past and Uber and things that are very modern. You can see these people as being people now. It's not so far removed. But one thing I've kind of been thinking about for a lot of dystopian literature is you'll see the treatment of sexuality being controlled by the state as essential in 1984, in Brave New World, The Giver, in this, that that seems to be such a powerful force that needs to be contained by state. I thought that was interesting that that theme runs throughout all of those. Yeah, and I think that's something historically the way you control a society is through sexuality. I think that it's definitely taking from past experiences of totalitarian regimes and current ones where women are forced to have children or forced to take birth control or have abortions to control the population. We look at the right of prima nocte in medieval England. Can you explain that concept, Alistair. A local lord, baron, landowner, had the right to the first night with a married couple. So the lady would uh, visit him in his place, or maybe he'd come to her if he was willing to slum it, and they would get together whether it was their will or not. So you kind of got married in the quiet, or you resigned yourself to the fate that your first night together as a married couple, under the eyes of God, was not yours. It was between you and your lord. It's a way of enforcing feudalism and ensuring that generations of people were born of different blood so it was a way of ethnic cleansing as well yeah absolutely and you know speaking of ethnic cleansing most forms of ethnic cleansing involved rape just lots and lots of rape i think the notable exception was the holocaust where the nazis specifically killed pregnant women and babies and were forbidden from interacting with them sexually i heard an interview with someone from the sudan speaking about that and they said guns cost money, rape costs nothing. But it's an effective tool for control of population. Absolutely. Kind of comes to the idea of who owns your body, essentially. That in liberal Western democracies, people own the state. You have agency over yourself, you own the state, in effect, by the people of the people, for the people, that idea. But in a totalitarian regime, it's the exact opposite. The state owns you. That you are a tool and piece of the state. And that there's no better way to reinforce that than with the most intensely personal aspects of your Yeah, absolutely. And in religious regimes, they tend to control the bodies of women. The idea of bodily autonomy for women is still a pretty revolutionary idea, to be honest. It's pretty shocking. If you look around the world today, what women are forced to wear, how in some countries they are, I want to say, surgically altered as mutilation, how they're treated as a second class, how they're not allowed to be educated. It's not a hard stretch to get from those places to this place if driven by desperation. Mm-hmm. Or a revolution that goes sideways. We've seen that in Iran and exactly. Egypt and starting to in Turkey. Or the Taliban in Afghanistan. It's so easy for even the best 
of intention. So here's the thing. Religion inherently isn't evil, but it can be easily manipulated into a method of control. And religion has such a strong effect on the human mind that it is very, very powerful and difficult to overcome. Look at the Christian fundamentalists in this country. Look at the Islamic fundamentalists in other countries. And of course, every religion has its own extremists. But you look at what they believe and how strongly they believe it. Get enough of them in the same place and this sort of thing can happen. The religion in Gilead is not Christianity. I really feel that that needs to be stressed. There are parts, they take it and they pervert it and they remove things that they don't like from it. They use the mm-hmm. Beatitudes a lot in it. They use blessed is the meat, right? But they don't complete the saying. And there's a scene where someone's yeah. being chastised, you know, and they say, remember your scriptures. And she reads off the rest of the scripture. The entire thing and she gets beaten. So they have a cattle prod and they club her with it and then shock her with it for the blasphemy of the actual biblical quote. It reminds me of a lot of modern day bad Christians who like to quote Bible verses that either are taken out of context or aren't applicable. Yeah, pieces and parts of Bible phrases that if they'd continued with the verses themselves, that it would have a different meaning entirely. And I feel that that's kind of where they're going with this is they only pick and choose what's applicable to them and what they feel is applicable to the situations. And what carries their message for? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, as a Christian, I find it interesting that people will always always find the verse to support sure. what they want to do anyway. Oh, yeah. Let's dive a little bit more into it. How did the Republic of Gilead come about? I love the explanation of this. It started with, I'll begin, as far as I'm aware, the prostitution, drugs, pollution. Pornography, strippers. All the good stuff started being wildly distributed, get out of control. And then, in the fiction, God... Cleansed the earth. ...made people infertile, so that only the righteous could inherit Mm -hmm. the earth, right? So we then see the rise of this ultra-fanatical, semi-Christian, religious, political sect overcome and overtake politics in the United States. Well, it starts with a false flag operation. They create the appearance of a terrorist attack. In the book, they quote, I think they machine gunned Congress during the State of the Union or something like that. Yeah, they butchered Congress or something to that effect. And martial law was declared, which allowed more martial and militaristic and totalitarian elements to take over. Does anyone remember V for Vendetta? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. How that story all yes. begins. A major terrorist attack wipes out a bunch of kids at a school, giving Norsefire the opportunity to rise to power and begin their semi-religious terror control manipulation of London or the United Kingdom. The thing that I think about this that is the most insidious and frightening is it doesn't happen overnight, right? That they talk about how the old idea that you can boil a frog if you just turn up the heat slowly enough that it'll never leap out of the pan. There are moments, like they're in a coffee shop. This is the flashbacks before Gilead. And there's this guy there and he says really horrible things to them and that clearly has no sense that they have any sort of power or can retaliate against him. And then you start seeing things get enacted slowly. Offred even says when they start talking about the new laws that are being passed that those were just supposed to be emergency yeah. measures to combat terrorism. 
like she believed the excuse that was given. Mm-hmm. Then they start taking control. Forbidding women from working outside of the home. They froze their bank accounts and turned all of the cash over to the husband's or male next of kin. That scene where when they find out about it, her husband, he says, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And there's an explosion from her friend, which I felt was a really great scene, which is like, that's the problem. She doesn't need you to take care of her. She had the money 20 minutes ago. That slow pitter patter of, we'll all take care of you. It's okay. I'm one of the good ones. You're going to be fine, honey. Not all men are like that. Oh my God, not all men. Hashtag not all men. There's scenes where you see people being sort of forced to comply with the things that are going on and they keep saying, I have no choice. Or this can't happen. Why is this happening? This can't happen. They can't do that. Yeah, they can. And they do. And they will. Something like that has to have the buy-in of a very large proportion of people. People in positions of authority already. People who are Mm -hmm. um, leaders of the police, of the military, of civil authorities. The buy-in is important, but apathy is also a major tool of how these things work. That when it's not you personally being affected, it's very easy to minimize what's happening to others that doesn't directly affect you. When you start attacking the margins of society, the majority will not threaten their safety and comfort. Especially if those people are tagged as terrorists or bad people to begin Mm -hmm. with. There's a famous quote from a prominent Protestant pastor, Martin Niemöller of Germany, and he said, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Yeah, exactly. So they start on the edges and slowly work their way in. There's a line in there that one of the aunts says to them where she says, I know this seems very strange to you now. Oh my god, yeah. But normal is just what you're used to. And this will all seem normal soon enough. Yeah. I mean, you'll see this with salespeople, is they'll ask you a very simple question to get you to start saying yes to them. You've bought into Mm -hmm. that power arrangement, and you don't want to be disagreeable. Well, they take advantage of your natural inclination to avoid being rude. We're very heavily socialized to be agreeable, especially as women. So predatory people, salesmen, rapists, wife beaters, they take advantage of that and kind of slowly creep in and test those boundaries until you withdraw them or set one and they move on. And then slowly they just push the boundary and push the boundary and push the boundary until you're in a really dangerous situation for you. And then you look back and you're like, how the shit did this happen? Slowly. It always happens slowly. It's never overnight. This was not a violent overnight revolution. This was bit by bit. It ends up violent when they finally seize control of the bank accounts and forbid women from working and they can't own property and all of that. They finally have a a protest. It's kind of like backwards suffrage, isn't it? Yeah. Part of the schooling I had was about women's suffrage and how some very, very brave women were getting arrested for demonstrating and saying, I mm-hmm. deserve my rights. They demonstrated in front of the White House and it was a demonstration-free zone, especially during World War One. I. I remember the story of a woman jumping in front of the king's horse and getting trampled to death. Oh God, I'm going to say it. It's that patriarchal society reasserting itself. There, I said it. I said it. Oh, we're going to talk about the patriarchy. It's going to be great, Alistair. 
Yeah, don't you worry. We'll get there. I find it worrying. Yeah. You find it worrying. <laughs> I'm a visitor to these strange lands, and you people are fucked. We are strangers in a strange land here. The slow pushing of the boundaries and the limit, making that the new normal. Just slowly moving it, moving it back, demonizing more and more people. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people get swept up in the net. And then all of a sudden, you don't even have your name anymore. When you're recruited, recruited, when you're forced to join... When you're taken. Abducted, however you want to put it, and given a new identity, your old identity is swept away and crushed. Yeah, the names are weird. I remember when I first read the book, I was like, Offred, what the hell kind of name is that? And then you meet another handmaid and she's... Of Glenn and then of Warren. I at first assumed they were Old Testament names I just never yeah. heard of, but that is not the case. Nope, they are possessive names. My mom has done a lot of genealogy research and it's interesting and disturbing to see how women's identities in the census records get absorbed after they are married off into a family. Then it's the head of the household, which is a man, and then there's a number, there's a wife. So on there, it's like wife of... Michael. Yeah. It sounds strange if you would hear it now, but if you go back, oh, 100 years, 70 years or so, you'll hear women referred to by their husband's name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would have been 70 years ago. I still get referred to as that. Oh, yeah. I'm referred to as Mrs. Christopher Blankety Blank. Yeah. That's a funny surname. That's the formal form of addressing a lady of the house. Yeah. If you fill out invitations, wedding invitations, graduation invitations, that's how you're supposed to address them. Mr. and Mrs. Husband's first name. name. Yeah. Yeah. Traditionally, a woman loses her maiden name when she's Mm -hmm. married. So this is like, oh my God. So this has sparked this whole other thing in my mind. Okay. In the especially the Catholic doctrine, when you're confirmed, you take on another name, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In the in the Catholic doctrine, confirmation is a sacrament. What is happening here is a sacrament. So they're taking on the role that was... Given to them by God. Right, exactly. But a sacrament, as they say, is an outward sign of inward faith. So mm-hmm. these people are being indoctrinated to believe a new regime, which is both political and religious. Mm-hmm. It's actually really a lot more dark than I could even imagine. You think of that perversion of faith and politics. That society is highly ritualized in almost everything they do. When a person either gets married or chooses the priesthood, those two things are also sacraments. Basically, it's like a dividing of the path, if I understand it correctly. Either you get married or you go to the priesthood, or you carry on your life single. But this is like a third path. This is like being indoctrinated as a nun, except a sexy nun, which is (laughs) really nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They even have a very nun-looking outfit outfit too minus mm-hmm. the red well because they don't want to incite men to lust right yeah because it's our like hannah was saying people who are allowed to breed is very controlled like the driver they mentioned he hasn't been given a woman yet yeah because you know, yeah. he hasn't worked his way up the ranks high enough the new name is also the obliteration of your past like they are not mm-hmm. allowed to mention anything that happened to them before there was no before there, there's a line in there was there even a before yeah yeah and you get to see these people when they start bonding with each other just simple things like what is your name yeah is dangerous. What are your children's names? Where are you from? What did you do? Did you love men or did you love women? Yeah, oh God, even that. Yeah. The gender traitors. Oh God. 
that word is forbidden. Oh, yeah. Lesbian, gay, those words are forbidden. And then they use genital mutilation on Mm -hmm. the woman who is fertile, but a lesbian. Yeah, that took me a sec to figure out what the heck they did to her. And then I was like, oh, that's not good. The incisions aren't high enough for it to be... Hysterectomy or anything. And they wouldn't want to do that. And oh my God, they cut out. They say you'll still be able to have children, but you'll never have desire. Yeah. That's awful, isn't it? That scene has a bunch of quick cuts, well edited, to her face as she's reacting. Oh, yeah. Absorbing this information. And then the scream, and then it's cut off by the end of the episode. That was well shot. Kudos to you guys. Their emotions are kept under such tight lock and key. It's incredibly dangerous that society. The only time they get to show that emotions is when they're killing somebody who raped a handmaiden. Or they're being told that they raped a handmaiden. Who may or may not have done anything. That's one thing that I think that is interesting in here. The people are not only victims, but they're also victimizers. That the state mm-hmm. makes you part of its tools. Part of the indoctrination. They have their secret police organization, right? The Eye, that watches people. And mm-hmm. they talk about how the handmaidens have to go everywhere in pairs. And there's the line, she's my eye and I hers Mm -hmm. that they're spying on each other to keep them pure and righteous and on the right path and they have secret eyes who are ensconced in various levels and so you don't know who's an eye very soviet communist kind of thing or even nazi gestapo if you see something say something in 1984 they have the Mm -hmm. thing where everyone is watching everyone else i mean that's a hallmark of the police state possibly the most chilling example of that is how the women themselves become instruments of the patriarchy and enforce it on one another you see that with the aunts and serena joy the commander's wife they're handed just a little piece of power they're going to do whatever they can to to maintain their position. We see that with slut shaming. It's like, oh, that girl is a whore and I'm better than her and she deserves whatever happened to her. And then female genital mutilation is often performed by women. It's often performed by mothers and grandmothers because they have that done to them. So we're just going to keep going. This may seem strange to you now, but soon it will seem normal. Yeah. Yeah. And the conversation that they had when Offred was talking to of Glenn in the birthmobile, they <laughs> called it. And she was saying, well, he told me you were dangerous. And she that trusting anyone is dangerous. There's a scene that ended up taking a turn in how it played out that was very, very disturbing to me. It's in the beginning when they're being sort of being indoctrinated into being handmaids. There's this woman sitting in the middle of a circle and she's basically telling a story where she's essentially telling about a a group rape that happened to her while she was in maybe high school or Mm -hmm. college. It's not really clear in the story. Yeah, something like that. You know, and she's telling it and you think like, oh, this is like some kind of counseling session. But no, everyone in the circle has to shame her. There's actually a line that's like a twist of counseling where like the aunt comes up to her and says and whose fault was it and you would expect the answer to be it's not my fault right nope this happened to me she beats her until she says it is her fault and then everyone in the circle has to literally point at her and shame her and say the same thing yep it's it's brutal and if you don't point at her and shame her then you get beaten yeah this is a known indoctrination technique having confessing all of your sins to somebody who becomes the holder of that and can hold that over you and assign blame however they feel or absolutely I really want to draw a parallel line between this story and what happened in Afghanistan. So, for those of you who don't know, Afghanistan was a rich, prosperous country in the style of a Western democracy, and religion swept in on the back of a revolution, and then did exactly what is being told in America, turning to the Republic of Guinea. Women were no longer allowed to learn, they were property, everything.
everything had to be done through the auspices of the Taliban. Schools were destroyed, knowledge was lost, and just utterly, utterly brought back to the Dark Ages. So you want to see something that looks like that with a bit more money thrown at it? You're looking at the Republic of Gilead in Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, the idea that this could not happen. I think that this series does a very good job of showing you the steps of how it happened. And no single step is outrageous. It's a hundred tiny steps Mm -hmm. that end up creating outrage. Inch by inch, step by step, they take control. Mm -hmm. And it's so sensible. In the book, Offred talks about, well, we didn't like the porno vans and this and that driving around. So when they went away, it wasn't such a big deal. And then the strip club, that that was gross. And then all of a sudden, all of the prostitutes were rounded up. And we didn't really care where they went. And then porn became illegal. It's little bitty erosions in small sections of censorship. And then all of a sudden, it snowballs. I think there's a strong aspect of desperation to this as well. They spring from a series of disasters that take place. War. I think that this causes people to kind of turn against science and reason. Mm -hmm. That they led them to this path where pollution is so bad and people are sterile that they reject everything. Because you would think if your goal was simply to breed, that you would just do... This sounds horrible too, but almost like an industrial artificial insemination type deal, which is what originally one of the people says is going to happen. Yeah. But I don't think that's their entire goal. Their goal is also control. Mm -hmm. Which I noticed actually that it was a little thing, but she Mm -hmm. had a little red tag on her ear, which I thought was very disturbing. I remember seeing that and going, why did they let her keep a cartilage piercing? Keep an earring. And then it has a little number on it. Yeah. And then Moira says they're not going to let go of a, a woman with a red tag. And I realized she was tagged. Yeah. Like livestock. Yep, like a cow. Like women are literally chattel in this society. When they have the trial of them, they have no name to refer to them because they obviously don't have their name from before and they don't belong to the other person anymore. Oh, yeah. So they have a number. You know, it's like yep. handmaiden 1237 or I don't remember the number they use, but they have serial numbers. Yeah. They have been cataloged and are property. And the only testimony is, was that true to your knowledge? Yes. All right, great. You're done. You're guilty. They're literally gagged. They're not allowed to speak. Very effective criminal justice system. Little kangaroo court there yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah they just asked the man what happened he swears it's true and that's the end of it i was surprised that they actually even went to offred and got her testimony justice has got to be seen to be done even if it's not actually done and they want other conspirators they wanted to make yeah, sure that true. she that's wasn't true. also involved in the disgusting gender traitorism since she was friends with her it's interesting that they are both powerful in this society and completely not powerful because and this is maybe just me kind of expressing how i would think about things that whatever is the rarest is is the most powerful. So if you are one of the few fertile women there, that you should have incredible power. But in this, they completely pervert that. They control the powerful mm-hmm. thing. Just like I was saying before, totalitarian regimes have to lock down human sexuality and reproduction, yeah. that they have to control those aspects. The women that can breed are a small amount versus the men who control the society are a huge amount. Even if they did have power, they wouldn't be able to express it because the people that control society, there's way more men in society than there is women. In positions of power. But then again, you could say that the fertile women have got their most power, but it's only over their own lives at the end of the day. Taking their own life. Of Warren was saying, I can do anything. I want ice cream. I can have ice cream. I can do anything. I could bite people because she can make babies. What are they going to do? There's actually a really disturbing part in the beginning where she's talking about how the room has many exits in it. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how the glass is shatterproof glass. There's embedding in there because those are exit people yeah. use to get out of their situation 
situation that people mm-hmm. will break the glass and slit their wrists. They'll hang themselves. They'll do these things to escape this torture, and they cannot let that happen. They're far too valuable for that to happen. And what kills me is when they walk by the school and you see the little girls that are dressed up in little pink dresses and little white hats. And I'm like, I don't even want to know what they're teaching <laughs> those children. You always indoctrinate the young into what your society expects, you know? Look at the Hitler Youth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at Boy Scouts. Look at any. Yep. We'll look at what we've done to Native Americans in North America. We plucked them from their families and put them in boarding schools and Christianized them and cut their hair and put them in Western clothes and were like, now you're good little Americans. The education of the youth, if what you're educating them is something you agree with, is virtuous and good. But if it's something you disagree with, it's horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) I want to put a point across here. Just as a thought. This is humanity on the verge of extinction. They want to make humanity live forever, to exist forever, or to at least go on beyond this current issue. And not be argued that despite our conceptions of how awful, awful these uh, things that happen to these women are, the whole society is actually responding to a threat in order to ensure the survival of the species over the survival of the individualism. Well, that's always kind of the argument that's, that's made. That's the rationale. But if that was your goal, I would expect them to be brutally efficient in the way they do things. They are, though. It, it, brutality is the hallmark of what they're doing. But they're not efficient. Brutality is a tool for efficiency. It's not the end goal. The control is maintained through the faith and the mass delusion. So you're not creating machines. You're creating free-thinking people who choose to think in the way that you prescribe. So don't get me wrong. This is literally the devil's advocate on this one. This is literally the opposite of my perspective, my belief. Why does the devil need the lawyer? I mean... Okay, it's a different perspective. It's not... I'm going to bugger off now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shouting you down. I'm censoring you with my vagina power. And it's working. If the survival of the species was the rationale for what they're doing, they would not have a rule. I don't know if it's an actual law or just an unspoken thing. The men cannot be infertile. Yeah. There's clearly more to their goal than simple survival of the species. And they would inseminate the women more than once a month. Instead of it being a big ceremony, which was super creepy, by the way. It's very gynecological. What about the shame it has for the wives? Yes. She has to sit there and literally watch their husband fucked this other woman like this awful. And the sounds that they went into the show, instead of it being good sounds, was just like, sounded like him hitting a wall. <laughs> it yeah. Was him and the footboard. That's all it was. Yep. They're blank faces, dead eyes. It's institutionalized rape. It yeah. absolutely is. I mean, I was trying to figure out a way to address that, with, but there really is. It's just flat out. That's what it is. Yeah, there's no real way to skirt around that. Yeah, she's completely coerced into it. And the way it's dealt with in the book is interesting because during one of these scenes, Alfred has this internal monologue that's really great. It's like, well, I wouldn't call this having sex. And I wouldn't call it, certainly wouldn't be lovemaking. And this is kind of her buy-in into her indoctrination. She's like, I'm not being raped. I mean, I technically volunteered for this. So let's just go with fucking. And then the commander was fucking me. And I was sitting there looking at the ceiling. (laughs) So it was just like. There's all different kinds of coercion that can create rape. There's physical force. And then there's, you have no option to say no. She has no option not to consent, which means she has no consent. Consent or die. So she has no consent. 
content. And why aren't they just harvesting women? Like, they still have the same medical technology that we had. <laughs> Not that I'm saying that's a good idea. I was thinking about that. I do think that they literally have decided that science has brought great harm, so they have to step away oh, from you know what? That makes as sense. much science that, as possible. That's what they say. The show kind of takes a left turn from the book in this way. I don't mean to be like, oh, in the book, in the book. I think the book's a little darker. <laughs> It starts out with, they say it's specifically white infertility and declining white birth rates. Yeah. And at one point they say they committed genocide against all of the black people. So they're all dead. And then it's just every, all of the characters are white. Atwood had incorporated racial genocide in there. White supremacy and genocide in there, which they took out of the show. To be quite honest, this kind of thing has happened to black women for centuries. You look at slavery, they were forced to have intercourse with their owners and bear their children who then became slaves. What do you guys think about the relevance and the topicality of this show right now? The precincts. Today was a really bad day to watch this show. <laughs> yes. For you listeners, the AHCA, otherwise known as Trump Care, was passed by the House, which, among other things, says that domestic violence is a pre-existing condition, as is pregnancy, C-section, rape, miscarriage. Which is weird that they're all female issues. Yeah. yeah. It's because mm-hmm. the uh, government can't keep their hands out of women's bits. Considering the erosion of reproductive rights on a state-by-state basis in the lo- local legislatures, it's bits and pieces. It's not... We're going to ban abortion? No, no, we can't have that. It's going to make it very difficult to get abortion. Super difficult. Similar to this in very reasonable step-by-step ways. First, they Mm -hmm. say, we're medically concerned about people, so you have to have admitting rights to hospitals. And that suddenly shuts down like 60 or 70% of your clinic. So you remove the options for rights that people have without actually removing their rights to do it. Mm Viagra is covered, but birth control is not. It would be like if you wanted to destroy the second amendment, you know, banning ammunition. Be quiet, Ryan. They'll be coming for our guns now. Leaving people the legal right to an abortion, but removing their ability to access it. Outrageous, isn't it? A right you can't access is not a right you have. You might as well not have it. Men who want to return to traditional values, you never hear them complaining about things like Viagra, you know? No. Mm-mm. That's never the thing that is the abomination to God's will. It's women having control over our own destiny. I do want to kind of point out that we have far, far run away from The Handmaid's Tale as a story. Fair enough. But I think in some ways art is designed to make us think about the world we live in for sure and having these discussions keeping this dialogue open is just as important as reviewing a television show and we have done some of that as well by the by that's a good point yeah I mean this raises so many because it is so relevant mm, I agree I mean the acting in this it is top notch it is it very much pulls you into that story the level of quiet desperation it's very immersive it's well cast which I think is why it's so relatable Samira Wiley is incredible Incredible, and I want her to be my best friend. Oh my god, I love her. The cast is full of Oscar winners, Emmy winners. Mm-hmm. It's jam-packed with acting talent. Oh, and also uh, Margaret Atwood herself appears in the first episode. Does she? She slaps Elizabeth Moss oh, during okay. one of the indoctrination scenes. And you know what else is super creepy? How the commander's wife had to go through the same motions as of Warren when she was having her baby. It's to give ownership to make them 
and go through the same thing and then transfer it across. It's really, really dark. I imagine it's going to be really heart-wrenching when Av Warren has the baby taken away. I did think the music in this is quite good. The way that they take pop songs from like the 80s and 90s. Yes! Slow them down, change the key to make them creepy and haunting. Ties the time period very well, that it's not so far in the future. It makes you feel like you're watching something that's either in the past or in the future because of the way that the outfits are it seems very past but then all of a sudden this pop music comes up and you're like oh no this is like happening like this is real just around the corner i think those flashback scenes happen in 2015 i think is when they start that's when the chart was showing that the most declining birth rate was 2015 Mm -hmm. sometimes when they try and update a piece of literature to be more modern sometimes they screw it up but i think they did perfectly with this by including uber and tender they did it very skillfully the way they were able to update that which is also a credit to Atwood's writing is she framed it such that when I read it in 2003, I saw myself reflected in Alfred. Yeah, it was still there. It's still there. And how creepy also the empty maternity wing in the hospital. That was so sad. That was heart-wrenching. The horror that the women have that when they actually have their children, that they still have that kind of natural bond for them, which is mm-hmm. even crueler because their children are going to literally be taken from them. Yeah, they're not there. Was a real touchstone for me. It's the one book which I read over and over again. The children in that, they're not necessarily taken away from their parents, but they're indoctrinated to such an extent that they fully commit to the party over family, the destruction of childhood. A lot of really deeply, deeply creepy elements in this very well-told story. I'm going to give it five secret writings out of five. I will give it five remember your scripture. (laughs) I'm going to give it five under his eyes out of five. I'm going to give it four and a half brutal beatings. Okay. Making your way in the world today. Takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries. Sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? So, every week, we each bring a show to consider watching. We each vote for a show, and we cannot vote for our own show. The show with the most votes is our next show to watch and review. So, let's I want to go first. I want to go first. All right, Alistair. American Gods. You want to pitch American Gods a little bit? So sell us on it, Alistair. It's a dramatization of a novel by Neil Gaiman, which takes aspects of... I don't want to ruin it too much if you haven't seen it. takes aspects of mythology and, and combines them into a modern setting. It has action, adventure, great writing, wonderful concept. It's got Ian McShane. I want to nominate Bill Nye Saves the World Aww. on Netflix. <laughs> it's Bill Nye the Science Guy for grown-ups. I think it's amazing. He tackles topics like climate change and quote-unquote alternative medicine and talks about gender identity. It's kind of amazing. I am going to recommend that we watch season one of Netflix's Sense8, which is a show about basically people who have psychic visions are connected together and all the stuff that happens with it. Season two just came out, so we would go back and watch season one. It is a fantastic show. I think it would be great. So I'm going to nominate The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks from HBO, and it's based on the book of the same name. It stars Oprah and Rose Byrne, because these are the HeLa cells, which are super cool. HeLa cells are so cool. book itself, which the movie is based off of, is about Henrietta Lacks and the immortal cell line that came from her cervical cancer cells in 1951. The, the cells that we've discovered are the only ones that can continue to be used, out, grow and recreate themselves outside of the human body. Yeah. So they're able to function independently of being a human, which makes them really useful tests. 
This is the story of how these were taken from her. Are we okay. ready to vote? Don't lie. Don't lie, so that's guy. Um, I'm going to vote for Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I will vote for American Gods. I'm also voting for American Gods. You win, Alistair. We're going to be watching American Gods this week. So that was The Handmaid's Tale. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcasts, Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews and Broke Gaming at fourcolornerds.com or on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep streaming, nerds.